0: Welcome to the Favorites, the podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. It's Thursday. That means it's time to enter the Thursday Thunderdome. And somehow we've, we've convinced another real professional outside of the Action Network to join us. On today's show, our special guests will compete alongside my co-host, my companion, my BFF, professional sports better Simon Hunter in an epic test of wagers and wits, it's made this show the most celebrated sports betting adjacent trivia show in podcast history and true to form. Because it's draft day at any moment, Simon Hunter has already warned us that his bat phone may ring and he may have to step out of the game to make some very big bets. Hello, Simon.
1: Hello, Chad. Yeah, it's, it's only one of three days I consider actual work days for the entire offseason. So I've been getting phone calls, I would say, since three in the morning because that's midnight in Vegas. I probably, I'm i probably running off four hours of sleep and a lot of energy drinks. So I'm kind of like losing my mind, but uh, it's a fun day. When Matt goes number three to San Francisco to the 49ers, I'm just going to walk into the ocean. I cannot wait for this day to be over, my man.
0: Listen, I'm hoping I'm hoping you win this bet. Obviously, you have a massive bet on Mac Jones to not be a number three. I'm hoping that, that you're right. And I'm hoping you win. I think Mac Jones to number three. Terrible idea. Simon, today you'll face two guest challengers. And for our listeners, if you're a baseball fan, a baseball better, a regular old Chicagoan, you've definitely listened to the dulcet tones of our first guest. He's the television play-by-play voice for the Chicago White Sox. You have heard him on ESPN's. MLB Statcast, which to me, the absolute best play by play experience on the worldwide leader. You've also heard him on various college and football basketball games for ESPN, whereas he, he has had the pleasure of ad libbing alongside Bill Walton, which is the second best play by play experience on the worldwide leader. There is no offseason for this man. The hardest working man on the South Side, Jason Benetti. Jason, how are you, man?
2: I'm great. I'm great. I just wish I had a bat phone like Simon, but I appreciate that very kind intro and I am ready to go. You described me earlier as an actual professional joining the show, so I have no idea what sort of dunk tank I've sat in, but I'm very excited.
0: I really hope that you continue to want to communicate with me after this is over. Honest to God, like if anybody hasn't watched the MLB Stackcast on ESPN – It is unbelievable. I will say this, uh, it's going to sound obnoxious when I say this. Obviously, I have been at ESPN for a long time. Jason and I never uh, interacted at ESPN. I connected with him after uh, watching him perform so brilliantly in a Bulls preseason game with Stacey King. He was so good, and it was such an enjoyable experience. I had to email him and tell him. Also, after the StatCast in 2018, when it premiered, I emailed the guy who runs baseball coverage from ESPN and I was like, dude, this is ridiculous. This should just be what you're doing every single game. It's amazing. So everyone go listen to Jason on the StatCast or just get MLB.tv and listen to the White Sox games. Our second guest, one of our newest members at the Action Network arriving from the New York Post where she ran analytics and then she was so good at creating content as a side hustle We hired her full-time. She's a data maven, a celebrated woman of TikTok, an esteemed NFL fantasy expert. Samantha Praviti, what's going on?
3: I think you just spoke higher of me than like my own mother would. So I love that intro.
0: I am a big fan of everyone at Action Network. And everyone knows that I usually like people at Action Network more than the people in my own family. (laughs) So um, they are near and dear to my heart. We got a big, big game today. Here's how the game is played. Today, you'll answer two kinds of questions. First, traditional trivia questions about sports, sports betting, and the world at large. Second, completely subjective, totally asinine, open-ended questions or prompts that I alone will judge. And a reminder, as always, because Simon is my best friend, because I love him dearly, because I only root for him, I'm probably going to try to find a way to make sure that he wins wins. Those questions. What about, no. Yeah. No, yeah. Unacceptable. You didn't know that was part of the game, but that is
2: No, I'm hyper competitive and I think these are loaded dice and I don't appreciate it. If I'm going to play, I'm going to try and win.
0: Guess what? You got a shot. Make your answers great. Simon has yet to win in the six weeks we've been doing the game. He has yet to win. How bad is the game if you're trying to get him to win and he can't? Let's see what happens. How how dare you? How dare you? How dare I? Listen, I'm a big fan of yours too. I think you got a shot. To accumulate points, you must answer the trivia questions correctly and also convince me that your responses to those open-ended prompts are better than the responses from your opponents because just like sports betting, you can't get them all right. We will begin part one. Let's get drafting. As every sports fan in America is aware, tonight is the first round of the NFL draft. It is Thursday. But it's only one of the many kind of drafts worth talking about to decide who the true draft master here is, I'll ask each of you two questions. One about the NFL draft and one about another kind of draft, any kind of draft. Let's get started. Samantha, you're up first. Here's your NFL draft question. In 2019, sportsbooks offered NFL draft gamblers a juicy first round prop. Under three and a half QBs taken in the first round, cashed as a plus 275 long shot. Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, and Dwayne Haskins all went in the first round. But this SEC quarterback slipped to the second round, the same guy who led the league in interceptions last year. He was a starter for a team in the AFC that was one of the most heartbreaking, frustrating teams to bet on last year
3: frustrating team to bet on. I mean, uh, that literally makes me think of the Chargers, but obviously that's not the answer. (laughs) I have no idea.
0: Drew Locke. Every better knows that he was one of those quarterbacks that would completely break your heart. Simon and I both won and lost many, many dollars. And it might've kept us out from finishing in the top 20 in the uh, contest we were in last year. Samantha, here is your other draft question. A drafty house is a pain in the ass for many homeowners. And while most assume windows or HVAC are to blame, the most common reason for a draft is this effect named after, quote, a space devoid of matter. It's also the name of a common household item that you may use to pick up dirt from your carpets and rugs. Vacuum. Well done. Simon, in 1988, ESPN sent a camera to the house of this Oklahoma State running back an assumed first-round pick, but an old knee injury spooked several interested teams, and ESPN showed him asleep on his couch shortly before Buffalo drafted him in the middle of the second round. Don't give me your bullshit. I was born in 1990. I'm not. I'm not hearing it.
1: 1988 went to Buffalo. Mm, no idea,
0: dude. I was gonna. I'm not even giving you clues. You don't deserve to get this right. Thurman <laughs> Thomas, Oklahoma State. Come on. Simon, the most expensive antique book ever sold is just a first draft. It's not even the final manuscript. It's the original 1830 printer's draft of this religious text, which shares a title with one of the most successful musicals in Broadway history.
1: Uh, Book of Mormon?
0: Hello, my name is Elder Smith. And can I leave this book with you for you to just peruse? Hello! I'll just leave it here. It has a lot of information you can really use. Bing! You got it right! All right. Let's see what Jason can do. Jason, this question celebrates your status as a proud Syracuse alum. Since Donovan McNabb went second overall in 1999, the Orange Men have had five players taken in the first round of the NFL draft. Standing above the rest are these two defensive stars and Super Bowl champions who led the league in sacks in 2004 and 2017, respectively.
2: They are? Uh, Dwight Freeney is one of them. And I'm going to say, I believe the other one is uh, Chandler Jones.
0: Wow. Nailed it. Right I'm so in. impressed. That was really well done. I will also uh, tell you that one time I was having a chat with our head of video. Her name is Christina Ventura, and uh, she was describing her favorite professor at Syracuse. And then when I said, oh, what's his name? Her answer was Jason Benetti.
2: Wow. Those bribes do work.
0: They do. <laughs> they really do. Well, let's see. Maybe that can help you win the game today. Jason, military conscription, more commonly referred to as the draft, has been employed during six conflicts in American history. They are in order, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World War I, World War II, and these two other conflicts, name them.
2: I mean, I have to assume based on the timeline that it's the Vietnam War and the Gulf War. I don't think the Gulf War involved a draft.
0: It didn't, Uh, I'll give you a hint. It was the basis for an incredibly popular sitcom that ran in the 70s. Oh, it's the Korean War. The Korean War. Jeez, come on. I'm giving it to you. Thank you. That's how we play the game here. See, everybody gets, everyone gets a little help sometimes. All right, here's the prompt. During the 2010 NFL draft, Gerald McCoy bear-hugged Commissioner Roger Goodell on stage after being taken third overall. And ever since... A bear hug and a private exchange of words has become Roger Goodell's on-stage tradition with first-round picks. Let's imagine you are a first-round pick this season. After the hug, what would you want to whisper to Roger Goodell? For example, hey, Roger, I know we're not supposed to bet on NFL games, but how about just over-unders? Simon, you're up first.
1: Uh, the first thing I would whisper into his ear would be, Roger, I know you have the tapes of the New England Patriots videotaping the Eagles before the Super Bowl. I need to see those tapes. That'd be the first thing I'd say to him if I got to get close enough to Roger Goodell. Because as a kid, my God, man, that was probably my most painful uh, Eagles memory was Donovan McNabb puking in the huddle. And I was just as a kid, I was just like, okay, this game's over. So I would definitely ask him if we got cheated because I think it was the next year the whole Spygate thing came out. So. As a Bitters Eagles fan, that's the first question I'd have to ask.
0: I think that's totally fair. Totally, totally fair. And I'd love to see uh, how he responds. It'd be like in one of those movies where someone leans in and gives you very, very challenging information that would scare you to death, but you cannot react other than, hey, it's great to see you.
1: Yeah. All of a sudden, I think someone would just come on the stage and a black hood would just go over the top of my head and I would just get ushered away. So that's oh, how so I vision.
2: Roger Goodell handling
0: things. Entirely possible. Jason, you're up next. What is your response?
2: So I find out what Roger Goodell's favorite comedy movie is and try and get him to break. And like lean in and say, bark twice if you're in Milwaukee.
1: Hello, who's there? I'm talking. (laughs)
2: See if you can get him to totally break at an inappropriate time.
0: I don't mind that either. And I like that you're bringing comedy into it. And I like that you're mentioning Milwaukee. It's almost as if you were pandering to our podcast producer, Matt Mitchell, who was in a basement in Milwaukee.
2: That's his own fault. I would never I would never pander to a basement in Milwaukee. Do you have any idea how disrespectful that is?
0: Samantha, you're up next.
3: Uh, I would probably ask why roughing the passer penalties are not reviewable, since there were so many egregious ones last season. So, uh, yeah.
0: I like that one too, because It's practical.
3: That or Uh, something like, what do you think of Mark Davis's haircut? I don't know.
0: (laughs) Oh, see that. I got to think for a second because I might have to give you credit for that one because I think he would totally break out laughing at that. (laughs) I'm giving it to Samantha. Samantha, Roger Goodell, having to think about Mark Davis's haircut and then having to respond without actually having to insult one of his bosses. Bing, 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 bing. You are the winner of the first prompt. Very nicely done. Way to pull it out. Totally pull it out because at first you went way too practical. Part two. <laughs> Saturday is the 147th running of the Kentucky Derby, one of the most celebrated days of the sports betting calendar. They're off
3: in the Kentucky Derby.
0: So let's see what you know. Samantha, while the fields are typically dominated by male horses, three Phillies have won the Kentucky Derby and all three Phillies had names tailor-made for gamblers. In the 1980s, it was winning colors and genuine risk. And in 1915, it was this horse, named after something any sports better can relate to, defined as a feeling of sadness, repentance, or disappointment. Bad beat something, I really, I don't know. (laughs) Anguish. Mm. Sorry.
3: Regret. Okay.
0: (laughs) And right now, that's exactly what you're feeling. Every gambler knows that feeling, that regret. I'm embarrassed. A little bit of embarrassment too. Jason, before COVID delayed the Kentucky Derby to September last year, the Derby had been delayed just once before, back in 1945, in response to World War II. But a race still took place in Louisville on Derby Day 1945 with horses replaced by these leisurely reptiles as a degenerate crowd of more than 6,500 people bet more than $11,000 on the proceedings. Leisurely, slow-moving reptiles were the animals that raced. So I would say uh, slugs. Lizards,
2: alligators, kangaroos. (laughs) (laughs) It's turtle, right? It was a turtle race. It's turtles. It was a turtle race. How did I not know that? That's.
0: It's like they—they are the exact thing you think about when something is slow. Was it reptiles that—that screwed you up?
2: uh, No, what screwed me up is I'm an idiot sometimes. (laughs)
0: Three days later, uh, VE Day ended the war in Europe, and they ran uh, an official, normal Kentucky Derby four weeks after that. What a great piece Uh, of
2: trivia. Thank you.
0: That's good trivia, right? I love that. Yeah. Uh, Simon, those attending the Derby are known to wear ostentatious hats because the Derby's founder wanted to emulate high-class European races like England's Grand National. The Grand National is the most famous of this type of horse race, originally run between two churches. You will never get this.
1: Yeah, no (laughs) way. The Cambridge race.
0: A church has what? A top. It's building. A A
1: chapel? Chapel race?
0: Steeple. Steeple chase.
1: Steeple. Steeple.
0: We are going into uh, the prompt for part two. The Kentucky Derby is known as the most exciting two minutes in sports. Your task is to sell me on the least exciting two minutes in sports. For example, a call to the bullpen in the middle of an MLB blowout is pretty unexciting. Jason, you're first, but I will tell you this. For extra credit, because I've seen you offer this to people on Twitter, if you wanted to Give your answer as you would call it in a game, I will give you extra credit.
2: You want me to tell you what it is and then call it or just call it? I would say just call it. Okay, so here's Jones on the mound. Garcia at the plate thinking about bunting, infield playing in, and Jones throws to first. Anderson didn't even move, he was on the bag, but Jones is worried about the runner going because of the bunt. So now Jones from the set. And another throw to first. Anderson was one step off the bag that time. All right, Jones on, 0-1. Oh, and, and he's gonna to throw to first again, and the crowd does not like this. So now, all right, we're ready, 0-1. Oh, Another throw to first, <laughs> it's like a step <laughs> off the bag. It's not even about him. It's about what the bunter is going to do to move him to second. He doesn't even wanna throw him out at first, he just wants to keep him close to the base. As I was describing it to you, I was cutting pieces of it out because it was too boring.
0: Oh, my God. That was brilliant. Totally, totally brilliant. And by the way, you're 100% right. That was dreadfully, dreadfully boring, but incredibly entertaining and well done. Samantha, give me your least exciting two minutes in sports.
3: I think you should just give it to Jason. That was epic, but (laughs) Um, maybe a timeout in a game between the Jets and Giants, uh, which I guess is called like the Snoopy Bowl. But I'm going to call it the toilet bowl because (laughs) usually last place teams um, timeout that they're forced to call because uh, they were about to get a delay of game penalty. So (laughs) very boring two
0: minutes. That is actually pretty dreadful. A timeout in a bad game because a team is so bad, they couldn't get the play off in time. Now, if you've been able to call that for two minutes, that would be even better. Simon, what's yours? This is always good.
1: Yeah, it's never going to be anywhere near as good as Jason's. That was amazing. I do want to say, though, the Kentucky Derby, we are one of the biggest shows in the world, Chad. Hopefully these people listen to this show. They have to move off draft weekend. I love Kentucky Derby. And as a degenerate, I love betting it. And I love the whole weekend of betting the draft and Kentucky Derby. But it's been lost in the shuffle. Like, I I just remember always hearing about it a week or two leading up to it. And I need them to move it to another weekend. Because I love, as a gambler, I love betting Kentucky Derby. So please, Kentucky Derby people, move it another weekend. For my worst or least exciting two minutes, it has to be when in any sport when they review a call that we all know the already the outcome of it, and then they don't review the calls we have no idea of. So, the least exciting ever has to be those two to three minutes where they go to that black box, they're reviewing a play that all the fans already know. So, I know I'm gonna lose because Jason's was incredible, but to me, the least exciting two minutes that has to be it.
0: Yeah, Jason's is so good that uh, so Matt good. Mitchell is updating the scores in real time, and he's already given Jason a point, even though I haven't actually <laughs> awarded Jason the actual point. Of course, Jason is going to get the point. Simon, I feel like you should get a negative half point just for going on a rant about the Kentucky Derby to delay having to give your answer (laughs) because you didn't want to lose to Jason. That's, that's That's how much I think about your answer. But I do think the flip side is you're completely right. And the Kentucky Derby, I had to do a couple of radio shows this morning and people were asking me about what I thought of the Derby. And I said, the Derby could not be less relevant right now because the only thing anyone is talking about is who's going to go number three, because that there is an historic amount of money being trafficked in bets on the number three pick right now. So I agree with your premise. Jason gets the point right now, as we head into part three, Jason, uber competitive, Jason Benetti, he has three points. Samantha has two points. Simon, you're bringing up the rear in one point, given, given how things are going. really hope Mac Jones doesn't get drafted in number three. All right, let's go to part three. Let's get motivated. One of the most enduring aspects of sports culture are the insane lengths players and coaches will go to in order to motivate themselves and their teams. As long as it works, nothing is too crazy. Simon, to tip off the 1993 season, the Indiana Hoosiers, my alma mater, the year that I graduated, lost to Butler as huge favorites. Then at practice, Hoosier's coach, master motivator, and certified insane person, Bobby Knight, brought a shotgun to practice. Makes total sense. He lined up all the players and brandishing the weapon said if they ever played like they did against Butler, quote, I've got a bullet for every one of you. It's a wonder this guy ended up getting fired the way he did. Threatening to murder all his players proved effective, though. In the next game, the Hoosiers upset top-ranked Kentucky, led at the time by this famous head coach, who would go on to win two NCAA championships, one at Kentucky, one at Louisville, that would later be vacated. So who was the coach? After all the preamble, who was the coach at Kentucky in 1993, who eventually won a title there, and then won another one at Louisville?
1: I'm embarrassed, because I know... I know all about this guy, simply the fact because he cheated on his wife with that woman and was just a total disgrace. But that's why I hate Thunderdome. I can't think of it. It's like at the tip of my tongue and I can't think of it.
0: He's very slick. Slick rhymes with his first name.
1: No, I'm never, I'm never going to get it. It's the Thunderdome Jesus, effect. I'm Jesus just completely blocked off.
0: It's Rick Pitino. Good. For God. I was going to say
1: Bobby Valentine. That's how far off I was.
0: All right. Jason, every July... Between 2001 and 2010, American League All-Stars were treated to one of the most revered and legendary clubhouse spectacles in baseball history. The unhinged, profanity-packed, motivational pregame speeches of this 175-pound outfielder, delivered in perfect English without the use of a translator. Who was this player? E.G. Very nicely done. Samantha. Nine years ago, Roger Goodell delivered his punishments in the Bounty Gate scandal, during which the New Orleans Saints were accused of using cash bounties to motivate players into injuring the opposition. Head coach Sean Payton and GM Mickey Loomis served almost unprecedented suspensions, and the team was fined and forfeited multiple second round picks. Four players named as ringleaders avoided serious punishment after their suspensions were overturned on appeal. By this former commissioner, former NFL commissioner, pre Roger Goodell.
3: I'm so bad at trivia. Like, I'm so useless at even like team trivia normally.
0: I will give extra credit to Simon or Jason, whoever can say it fastest and first. Ready? One, two, three, go. Paul Tagliabue. Boo. Simon, did you not know? Or are you on the bathroom? phone?
1: I'm trying to stay focused here, Chad, but I got a lot of...
0: What is happening right now? What are people asking you about? It's not
1: even that. I'm getting info that that whole Mac thing is complete bullshit. So I just bet even more on Faden Mac. So again, I'm in a hole, Chad. Two different people call me up and tell me that Mac stuff's bullshit. And they've talked to people that he's not even in their
2: top four.
0: By the way, that would make total sense to me. It makes no sense that a quarterback who had one great year with a team that was so far better than every other team in college football that and when everybody knows if you're drafting quarterbacks, you want the guy who's played games. You want to see more tape. It proves itself out every single time. Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, if either of them are drafted in the top three, Jason can appreciate this, they're Mitch Trubisky. That's it. Like if you are not drafting Justin Fields, In the top three, and you are trying to draft a quarterback, you are making a monumental mistake. Jason, you do college football. You follow this stuff. You got a take on this? I love Zach Wilson. He's my guy in this draft. Seriously? Yeah,
2: love Zach Wilson. Uh, Spent spent about 20, 30 minutes before a game talking to him this year. Watched a lot of tape on him. I think he's going to be a star in the NFL. I really do.
0: I disagree with everything you're saying. I did spend 20 to
2: 30 minutes with him. How do you know, Chad? He
0: can can be a wonderful guy having spent 20 or 30 minutes with him. I am going on the history of quarterbacks and what you get when you get a guy behind an offensive line that is head and shoulders above every other offensive line. You're playing against bad competition and you're guiding guy who had one great year and two years before that that were not so great. That's my take.
2: I want to do five-year anniversary of this Thunderdome and see where we are on that.
0: We will cut a clip. We will save it. We will send it to you.
2: Yes. Let's do All right. it.
0: All right. Here we go. To motivate, this is the part three prompt. To motivate the players at his alma mater. Last week, Rob Gronkowski caught a ball dropped from the helicopter hovering 625 feet over the Arizona Wildcats football stadium. Now imagine your goal was to demotivate your players. Select a new athlete and create a new stunt if you wanted to extinguish your favorite team's burning desire to win. For example, Texas A&M asking Johnny Menzel to run a training camp of casino two-a-days would have the team losing focus in no time. Samantha, you're first.
3: Mm. So my favorite team is the Panthers. So I, maybe Sam Darnold trying to get his teammates to learn all the TikTok dances, like the juju, like Corvette, Corvette, like that could definitely demotivate some people.
0: Oh my God. That I, I have been trying to get my kids to do a TikTok dance with me. Not going to happen, but I feel like- I love I, that. I I feel like if I were to do that for my Action Network colleagues, that would quickly demotivate them from doing anything (laughs) ever, so I can completely appreciate this. Simon, can you look up from your phone for two minutes to answer this question while I try to get down massive amounts of money on Justin Fields 50 to 1 to go to the top two?
1: This is from a personal experience. We had a kid who was running for class president. He brought in a wooden board, and he could not break the wooden board in front of the whole, whole school. That has just stuck with me for life where like I'm having a crappy moment where like, you know, I'm embarrassing myself in front of people. I'm like, at least I'm not trying to stand there for 20 minutes breaking this wooden board. And it's just silence. And I think there'd be nothing funnier than, you know, a coach motivating his team. He's like, we're going to break through this just like this board. He just keeps punching the board and it's just not breaking. So I would love for that to just let my teammates down with.
0: Oh, my God. That is fantastic. For some reason, I keep thinking of uh, a Karate Kid moment where it completely backfires. Jason, Simon's is pretty good. Samantha's is pretty good. They're they're gaining on you.
2: Yeah, I have no chance with this one, but I do think my first thought was you bring in Steph Curry. So say it's a football team, hockey team, whatever. You bring in Steph Curry and you say, guys, you got to beat him in a horse or you practice Triple the time this week.
0: I mean, that's just nasty. That's mean. That's, mean. That's, that's, that's completely mean-spirited.
2: Yes. And that's the best way to demotivate somebody is be completely mean-spirited.
0: By the way, that's also true. Well, that, I was going
2: to say bring a gun and brandish it at the wall of players, but that's already been said.
0: <laughs> Somehow, amazingly enough, someone's actually done that in real life. So you cannot use it. All right. Let me think about this. This is tough. I think I got to go with Simon here because the idea of trying to break the board is just hilariously funny and sitting there for 20 minutes and it not working. Simon, you win that round. It is time to go on to our grand finale right now. Jason has a commanding lead. He has five points. Samantha and Simon are tied with two. The topic is old time nicknames. How much would you like to risk? Close your eyes. Everyone, close their eyes. Hold up your fingers with your wager amount. All right. The song, Take Me Out to the Ball Game, has been played in Major League Baseball stadiums for generations. It was originally released in 1908. But wasn't played in a pro baseball stadium until the 1934 World Series, which was won by the St. Louis Cardinals as minus 160 favorites. That year, the Cards were led by a loudmouthed pitcher and NL MVP, Jay Dean, nicknamed Dizzy Dean. The team's other ace was Dizzy's brother, Paul. And together, the brothers secured all four of the team's World Series wins. The press was eager to give Paul Dean a nickname, something to pair up with Dizzy, and so they did. And although Paul shares, this is the clue, it's very important. Although Paul shares the nickname with a famous cartoon waterfowl, he earned the moniker three years before this character first appeared. What? was Paul Dean's nickname. All right, Jason Benetti, you are the leader in the clubhouse. You have risked one point. Very, very strategic. What is your answer? Uh, my answer is Daffy. Wow. Nailed it. Daffy Duck. Simon, you have two points.
1: Yeah, because I am, again, losing my mind. I said Tweety after the bird of Twitter, which I know is not the right answer because Twitter wasn't around in the 1915s.
0: You've got Mac Jones on your head. Samantha, you also risked to, uh, what was your answer?
3: I said Donald Duck, which obviously was not
0: the right <laughs> answer. Yeah, it was yes. a good
3: I was in the the vicinity.
0: You could only go with Donald or Daffy. Jason Benetti so dominated this game. And in the beginning, he was worried that it was all going to go Simon's way. (laughs) Simon didn't get any help. Jason didn't even need any help. Samantha, you got destroyed in this game. Jason Benetti, you have won the Thunderdome and your reward today, you get to go call a doubleheader.
2: Yes. Thank (laughs) you. What would the prize have been had the game yesterday not been rained out?
0: Uh, You would get to call a single game. (laughs) And let me ask you a question. Here's a story for you. As a member, a proud member of the White Sox community. Years ago, I grew up in uh, outside Chicago. I grew up in a town called Highland Park, which is on the North shore of Chicago. Uh, My dad grew up in Rogers Park, which is on the north side of Chicago, not very far from, you know, from Wrigley. So we were obviously Cubs fans growing up, but I didn't hate the White Sox. So many years ago, uh, when I was at ESPN, I was lucky enough to go to the White House when uh, President Barack Obama was doing the brackets. And after he does his brackets and we're all gathering around for the picture, I wanted to get like at least a few seconds with him. And so I go up to him and I'm like, hey, I'm from Chicago. I root for the White Sox. What do you think of the team this year? And so we talk about it for a few minutes. I'm not a massive White Sox fan when I'm growing up. I did go there for games and like I would root for them. And I loved it when they won the World Series, uh, you know, many, many years ago. But do you feel that I misled the president? Yes,
2: you did. But it was for a purpose of creating camaraderie and getting you in with a sitting president. I have no problem with it. But I think if you said you weren't deceptive, that would be the only problem I would have.
0: I definitely was deceptive. And again, I don't not root for the White Sox. I am a fan of the White Sox. I'm a fan of what they are doing this year. I want them to continue to do well. I want the White Sox to continue to be the hot team that everybody wants to root for and talks about. I think they are a great futures bet for the World Series. But in that moment, I was a little deceptive.
2: You did what you had to do though. And I, like, I think it's a great play. I wouldn't have done anything differently if I were you, but you know, I think it's a great story too. Like
0: it's, that's fantastic. Jason Benetti, this is why you're a class act for coming on our show. And this is why you're a winner. You're a winner, whether you won the Thunderdome or not Samantha and Simon pack your shit. I don't even know if I can have you working at the action network anymore. I want to thank Jason Benetti, the voice of the Chicago White Sox, the voice of the ESPN StatCast, the voice of so many games in so many places that if you're not listening to him, then you're clearly not a sports fan. I do want to thank Samantha Praviti. I do want to thank Simon Hunter, my colleagues at the Action Network. Uh, Before we sign off, here's a word from our fearless leader, Action Network CEO, Patrick Keene. This is pathetic.
1: This is awful. We've all been humiliated.
0: All right. This has been The Favorites from The Volume Podcast Network. Again, my thanks to Jason Benetti, Samantha Praviti, Simon Hunter. Reminder, The Volume is now on YouTube. We've got new stuff up every single day. Clips, interviews from all the network's shows. Subscribe to The Volume YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash The Volume. Rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts and download and listen on Spotify. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week on The Favorites. Love you.